Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and though my voice is a little bit more back than it was in the last episode, I'm still struggling a little bit, so thanks for your patience the fact that I sound a little bit different. I hope that you are ready for what I think is kind of an overdue episode, a little bit on the deeper side, hopefully very much on the powerful side. And this is about the mental and emotional side of what we eat and why we eat. This is based on some work that I've been doing in my own life uh, lately. Certainly a lot of the work I've been doing over the last few years, work I've been doing with some clients. And then, as I mentioned, it was also a part of Wired to Eat, Rob Wolf's book that I did a book review of uh, in the last episode of the podcast, I've said for a long time, and really it's why I created the Breaking Barriers e-course, I've said for a long time that so much of change, whether that's fat loss or improving your health, isn't about what you eat, but rather about why you eat. And certain parts of this I've talked about before, we're going to take it in a different direction today. But the reality is most people who struggle with their weight or want to improve their eating habits can perfectly well identify the things that they're eating or the amounts that they're eating that are the problem, that are holding them back or not helping them reach their goals. They're aware that binging has got to go if they want to make and maintain progress, or they're aware that eating a whole pint of ice cream isn't doing them any favors, or that running to the grocery store to load up on indulgences isn't the path to the body they want and feel really great about. So it's often we know what to eat to make progress and we know what's currently holding us back. The issue, though, isn't with the food. The issue and what often gets ignored or overlooked or swept under the rug is what drives us to the food. In my own experience, and it's it's so easy for me to get back to the mindset I was in then. Like I, what I mean is when I describe where I was at when I was 350 plus pounds, it feels like it was yesterday. Like the emotion and the depth of the emotion and frustration and fear and loneliness is so easy to tap back into. I was miserable, right? I would have told you strongly that there was nothing I wanted more than to lose the weight, right? But even though I would say that and mean it, it wasn't unusual for me to leave work, call in takeout from a local Mexican restaurant and stop at the grocery store next to the Mexican restaurant to get ice cream and cookies and maybe a chocolate bar. And then while I drove home with all that food in the car, I still would have told you that there was nothing I wanted more than to lose weight. And 
argued that it was very, very true. Now, did I think that Mexican food and ice cream and cookies were going to help me lose the weight? No. It wasn't about what I was eating, though. It was about why I was eating. And much of this, much of the why for me, why I was turning to food, I've shared with you. Part of it I haven't shared with you, and it's because I only more recently figured this out or understood the importance of some of this. The part that I have shared with you is that at the time when I was doing this, when I was over 350 pounds, I really thought that the food, the overeating, the binging was a stress reliever. I would have described it as this like pressure relief valve in my life, but that wasn't true because it actually created more stress, more emotional stress because I was piling on guilt and shame and self-loathing, but also more physical stress because I was gaining weight and I was physically feeling sick and lethargic after eating that much. It was an escape. When I turned to food in this way, not even just binging, just overeating in general, I created this momentary alternative reality where my job stress didn't exist, my marriage didn't exist, my weight didn't exist, my relationship with myself didn't exist, nothing existed except the food. It was a strategy, not a healthy one, but it was a strategy to turn away from my life and myself. I think about this often in terms of the way that alcoholics or drug addicts turn to their drug of choice. It doesn't eliminate stress, but it's easy to think that it does. It actually creates stress, but the reason we think that it eliminates stress, whether we're talking about on a small scale or on a large scale like a binge, it gives you a momentary escape where nothing else is very real. The only thing that is very real to you in that moment is that thing, that food, whatever it is that you're turning to. And because that's what becomes very real, you almost think that there is no other stress in that moment. There is. You've just turned away from it. You're actively creating more stress, but because you've stepped away from everything else, you think that it's not there. So that's what I was doing now. And I didn't always do this on a grand scale, but almost every indulgence felt like this to me. There was this urgency, this intensity. It felt like an escape. I was running. I wasn't solving any problem. I was just turning away from the ones that existed while actively creating more. When I was overeating, I didn't have to think about my weight or my problems or my goals, right? And I've shared that part of it with you. What I haven't shared before, and again, it's because it's more of a recent thing and I haven't done any episodes on it since, is that there was a deeper, larger problem going on that this behavior really kind of indicates, and that is lack of connection, lack of connection. Now, most people will naturally think of lack of connection as lack of relationship with other people, and that's certainly a part of it, but the biggest part, and often what's a harder one to work on, certainly not as comfortable to work on, is lack of connection with myself. My overeating behavior, my turning to food as an escape, it really demonstrated a lack of respect for myself, a lack of connection with myself, a lack of love for myself, a void, right? There was an emptiness that I was looking to fill. 
And because I didn't really know what it was or how to fix it, food is an easy thing that will fill you up, right? Just like alcohol is an easy thing that will fill you up. But as long as we turn to something we don't need, we will never feel full. So when you've heard me do some of the more emotional eating episodes and talking about either my binge eating behavior or whatever my struggles were, I've often called it loneliness, which is what it really felt like, an emptiness. And people in response will ask about, you know, my family or my marriage or my friendships. But here's what I know and really either ignored or avoided or didn't understand for a long time. When we are lonely, when we lack connection, it always has more to do with our relationship with ourselves than it does to have with other people. Uh, When we are feeling lonely, when we are feeling a void or an emptiness, it is always more about your relationship with yourself, my relationship with myself, than it is about our relationship with our spouses or our friends or our siblings or our parents. And almost all disordered eating patterns have a root in lack of connection. The big issue, though, is that most people don't see that. And if they do see it, they turn to other people to fill this void, spouses or partners, coworkers, friends, instead of themselves. And then when we're alone, we often turn to food because there's that void again. And we've relied on other people instead of building a solid foundation of connection within ourselves right? If connection to us, if dissolving loneliness to us requires or relies on others, then are we ever really stable? We aren't if we don't build that solid connection with ourselves. And this is a problem that comes up really often. I I created Breaking Barriers, which is this e-course to help people with the why do I eat? Why do I run to food? Why do I make excuses when I say that my health or my goals matter so much, right? It comes this question, then what? Okay, so I know there is this void. I know that I'm using food as an escape, but then what? If you know you eat because you're lonely, or if you know you eat because you feel rejected and food never rejects you, what do you do about it? Knowing is often not enough for changing. For some people it is, but not for most. And this piece, connection is a pillar that I didn't understand for a long time. I, I know and I've shared a lot about the lack of connection growing up um, with my mom because of my weight. And so because I understood that from a young age, the connection piece to me was always about acceptance from other people. And unfortunately for me, it took a long, long time to realize that the biggest piece of connection was with me. I looked at my relationships and I could see where there were lack of connections in romantic relationships and I always made it about that relationship, me and the other person and what was wrong about that. Well, what was wrong about every relationship I've had that didn't go well is that I wasn't coming at it from a place where I was whole. There was this void within me that for a long time I used food to fill and then I tried to use other people to fill. Dude. I had to fill it for myself. I had to build a solid foundation of connection to myself, with myself, love for myself before I would ever have a successful relationship. And that doesn't mean it's easy, but it is critical for everybody. 
for everybody, right? I didn't come to this understanding through fat loss. I didn't come to this understanding through reading. I came to this understanding through the school of hard knocks, a series of failed relationships. And then most importantly, probably honesty, honesty. And this honesty was really, really hard. I had to look at when I was experiencing the drive, the desire, the urge to turn to food. And it was when this feeling of emptiness was coming. And then I was like, okay, well, how do I create a situation where no matter who is in my life or what is in my life, I don't have this empty feeling, right? Because your appetite is often not for food. Your hunger is often not for food. We look to fill ourselves with food because it's easy and it's accessible and we don't want to feel that emptiness. But you have to fill it with something real and something that is always with you, something that no one can take from you. Because whether it's a breakup or a death or a change in life circumstances, we can't count on other people to fill us. We must fill ourselves before we can ever have true and meaningful connection with anybody. And also before we can ever avoid looking to fill ourselves with things that aren't going to do the job, like food, right? That emptiness, it's uncomfortable. And we often look to food or alcohol or spending money because it's a distraction, we don't want to fill this emptiness with anything other than something that is very real and true and lasting and sustainable, and it has to start with you. Connection is a critical piece of health, of vitality, of happiness. And if we focus more on how can we really be happy instead of how can we lose weight, how can we be smaller, how about how can we be more full? And I don't mean full appetite full, I mean full life full. Because we try to fill ourselves with food when the emptiness is not about hunger. And filling yourself begins with connecting to yourself. For me, I realized that first it was food, then it was relationships, then it was achievement. No, it has to be about falling in love with myself, respecting myself, enjoying my own company, being okay being alone or just in my own company. So this is something that I have been working on and I'm going to tell you how and I'm going to give you some concrete suggestions. But I also want to tell you about where this came up in the book Wired to Eat because he makes Rob Wolf, uh, what I talked about in the previous episode, his book Wired to Eat, he makes some really good points. And the the paradigm that he establishes at the very beginning is where he says what's important for health is not very complicated. Eat whole unprocessed foods, get out in the sun, move a lot, sleep like you're on vacation, and surround yourself with loving relationships. And he talks about, you know, self-respect and things like that. But I think the key is the relationship with yourself is the one that matters most. And it's the one we talk about the least. It's the one we talk about the least. We've got to get rock solid with ourselves. Otherwise, we just keep pursuing achievement. We pursue filling ourselves up, but not in the right way. And then because there are these emotional underlying issues, 
we put that emotion onto food when food is not emotional. And we wonder, why do we feel so much guilt when we overeat? Or why do we feel like some foods are good and some foods are bad? And if we eat bad foods, we're bad. Where does all this emotion come from? It's because we're using a non-emotional thing, food, to solve an emotional issue. All right. And one of the things that Rob Wolf talks about in the book is how you can't cheat on your food, right? There are, there are no cheating that happens with a meal. And, and I agree with that. I always say food isn't emotional. You are. A cookie isn't bad. A cookie isn't good. It's a cookie. When we put emotion and judgment on the cookie, it is an indication that there is deeper work to do, right? He keeps it very simple. He says there are consequences to what you eat. Period. That's it. It's not good. It's not bad. They're just consequences. And those consequences are about how you feel and how your body responds, but it's not emotional. So don't make it emotional. And if you feel all of these emotions in response to your food choices, let that be a reminder that you might need to do some deeper work here. And I know that begs the question, how? I understand if you feel like that's impossible or unclear, we're going to clear it up and it's not impossible. It begins with how you talk to and about yourself. And as oversimplified as this seems, I want you to think about this question. How would you begin a friendship with somebody you meet, right? Would you begin a friendship? Would you establish that initial relationship by telling somebody how much they suck and criticizing everything they do and everything they have done? No. That would not be a friendship that lasts, right? And yet that's often how we operate with ourselves. Oh my gosh, I look awful. Oh my gosh, I screwed up again. I dropped the ball. If you want to have a good relationship with yourself, and I want you to have a great relationship with yourself, you've got to kind of have this approach of like, would this work if I was trying to make a new friend? To constantly be criticizing and constantly be negative and constantly be second guessing. No, that person would hate you. They would never spend time with you. No wonder we never want to spend time with ourselves and we feel so dang uncomfortable when we're alone because we're not friends with ourselves. You would never be friends with someone who treats you or talks to you the way you treat and talk to yourself. So that's where it begins. We know how to build relationships. We do it romantically, we do it with friendships, we do it with colleagues, and ask yourself, the way you're speaking to yourself right now, would you want to be friends with that person? Would you be excited to spend time with them? Would you be excited to have an hour alone with them? No. So what kind of relationship would it take for you to really look forward to time with somebody? For you to be really excited about an hour alone or a night alone or a weekend alone with that person? Seriously, spend some time putting that on paper. The kind of relationship where I would really get excited to spend time with them. Maybe they would ask how I am and really care about the answer. Maybe they would compliment me or they would bring out the best in me. How would they do that? Start doing those things to and for yourself. Does it feel weird? Who cares? It also feels pretty lousy to be miserable. So be okay being uncomfortable or feeling weird. Like nobody's judging you on this. This isn't something you have to like do out loud in front of a crowd. This is just you with you, right? Start with what is simple. Don't be so mean. Look for what you like. This was tough for me, and I've shared this many times before. You know, 350 pounds, I thought I was pretty gross. 
I was disappointed in my choices. Physically, I thought that I looked pretty horrific. If you've seen some of my pictures, you know what I'm talking about. But I would say I like my hair. I like my eyes. I'm smart and I'm a hard worker. Look for what you like about yourself instead of what you don't like. And if you're thinking, oh my God, there is nothing, start. Start. Don't You can be either committed to and married to the, oh, I'm awful, or you can look for what you like, even if it's your shoes, right? Even if it's that you're a good parent. I don't care what it is. Look for what you like. Think about if you were trying to look for what you like in a potential friendship. You could either be like, well, they're always late and, you know, their car's a mess. Stop. Don't be so petty. Look for what you like. The second thing, you know, if we use this this analogy of who would we want to spend time with, somebody we do fun things with. So do fun things with yourself. And this doesn't have to cost money or take a lot of time. What do you like to do? Do you like art? Go to an art class. Make a coffee mug. Buy a book on drawing and work your way through it. Do you like comedy? Go to a comedy club. Or if you're at home, watch Louis C.K. on Netflix. Don't overcomplicate it, but think about the kinds of things that would be common in somebody you want to spend time with and then start doing those things to yourself with yourself. I love to sing. So I make a point to turn off the news in my car or turn off the audiobook and at least listen to a couple of songs while I'm driving. Just to, it, it puts me in a better mood and I want to do that. I don't always want to be so serious because that person who's always so serious isn't all that fun to spend time with. And then we find ourselves wanting to escape our own company, right? I love spending time with my sister. So we're trying to prioritize going on a couple of sister dates. Um, a couple times a month, if not more. The other thing you can start doing is some affirmations. Affirm the things that are good about you over and over and over. Think back to that idea of who would you want to spend time with. Certainly not the person who's always critical and negative. So if you're smart, tell yourself you're smart. If you crossed off something on your to-do list that was a big project, congratulate yourself. Treat yourself the way you would treat a friend that you really wanted to be a good friend to. Affirm the things you're working towards. Be proud of yourself. Celebrate your effort, right? Recently, one of the changes I've made is that I have merged visualization with affirmations. I've shared with you before that when I am in the shower, I always visualize how my day will go. And if I'm... um showering at night, which I sometimes do to kind of unwind before bed, I will visualize what happens after I get out of the shower in terms of like falling asleep and feeling relaxed and waking up refreshed and how my morning goes. But what I do is I've merged visualization with affirmations. So when I'm visualizing how I want my day to go, I talk about how how I'm focused. And sometimes I'll do this out loud in the shower, but you don't have to. You certainly can do it in your head if you've got little ones running around or a spouse that you don't want to hear or whatnot. But I visualize how I want my day to go and I affirm the things I do well or things that go well. So if I know that I've got to record a podcast, um, I will affirm my focus, like I'm super focused as I put this together and as I record it, I'm heartfelt and I'm, and I'm really engaged with what I'm doing 
and I'm proud of how productive my morning was before I head off for the gym. And so not only am I seeing how I want things to go, but I'm also building that relationship with myself because I'm affirming the things that are good about me. I'm affirming the way I take care of myself, or I'm affirming a good choice that I made, or I'm affirming how hard that I worked because, you know, I know when I look at the relationships that make me feel the best in my life, they're people who make me feel good about myself. So I know that as I go throughout the day, a big part of filling in this lifelong void that many times had me turning to food is making myself feel good about me. And a lot of that has to do with the way I talk to myself and about myself. Now, here's another one in terms of how do we do this? And this is a tough one, including for me, but it's one of my primary areas of focus right now. Be totally authentic with the people closest to you. Too often we filter. We filter what we say. We alter what we do so that people will like or love us more. Maybe we don't say what we really think or we act in a way that is not really authentic to to the core of who we are or we hold back something we say or something we want or something we feel or we're not silly when we want to be silly because we think it'll make us be more liked or more loved. Work on letting that go. The people who only want to connect with you because of who you front as, because of the way you are when you're faking it, or when you're catering to what you think they want, those aren't the people that you want as your close inner circle. You know, there's there's a quote that I love, the people who mind don't matter, and the people who matter don't mind. Be authentically you. And when you do that, you create the exact perfect filter you want for your life. The people who love and embrace and accept you for you the way you are, those are the people you want in your life. And the people who sort of fall away as you step into your authentic self, those are the people you didn't really want in your close inner circle anyway. So don't front, don't filter, don't cater to Well, if I say this, or if I do this, or if I position it this way, they'll like me more. No, you be authentically you. If you want something, ask for it. If you feel something, say it. Show up authentically without catering to what you think would get you more attention or have people like or love you more because you want people in your close inner circle who see you for who you really are who love you and want you for who you really are. And if they don't fit that bill, great. Better to know now so you can make space for the people you really deserve in your life. Another thing that I think is really helpful in terms of the strategy for how do we build this relationship with ourselves? How do we create more connection with ourselves and with the people closest to us is by asking the question, What are you really hungry for? What are you really hungry for? When uh, back in uh, October, November, when I had Ascend, my first ever in-person Primal Potential event, we were doing a QA and a and one woman said something to the effect of, but what do you do when you're just all alone? And sometimes I'll turn to the chocolate because all I really want is a hug. And I said to her, well, first I went up and I gave her a hug. And then I said, chocolate is not a hug. 
right? I can't tell you how many times I turned to food because I wanted to feel loved or I wanted to feel accepted. Well, the food doesn't make me feel loved or accepted. It's just a distraction. So what are you really hungry for? What is the feeling you are looking for? Name it first and foremost. Is it to feel calm? Okay, well, what are some things that you can do that actually create more calm, less tension? Or if you're looking to feel loved, what are the things that make you feel most loved and how can you get more of that in your life? Ask what you are really hungry for because you can never fill a hole with what it is that you're not lacking, right? And if you're not lacking food, then that's never going to fill that hole for affection or for attention or for acceptance, right? The only need that food can meet is hunger. So if you are not truly hungry for food, then you've got to ask, what are you hungry for? And how can you meet that need, right? Start somewhere. Say something nice to yourself. Do something fun. Make yourself laugh. Even if that means watching the funniest movie you can think of. Strive to create a fuller life, not a smaller body. Strive to create a fuller life, not a smaller body. I was on the phone with a former client the other day. We were just catching up, seeing how things were going. And she commented, I've been putting on my Instagram stories uh, which is the 24-hour live thing, like you post a live thing and it goes away 24 hours later, um, my five-minute journal entries every morning and every evening. And she said, oh, seeing your five-minute journal, and I'll link to the five-minute journal in today's show notes, but she said, seeing your five-minute journal made me pull out mine. She had it a while back and she hadn't been using it. And she said she was flipping back to whatever, six or nine months ago, whenever she had last been using it. And she said she was amazed at how many of her objectives on any given day were about food. And she said, that's just not where I'm at right now. You know, my life is so much more than that. And she said, I wonder what that is, you know, that I went through so long and like what would make the day great was always about like, well, if I eat really well or if I get my workout in. And I said, that's the difference between living a goal and living your life. Back then you were living the goal of losing weight. Now you're living your life. And that's what I want for everybody Take better care of you, of your relationship with yourself. Identify the void and fill that. Create more connection with yourself first and foremost so you can live your life versus living a goal and distracting yourself from what really matters. These deep, meaningful connections are a massive part of health. And the most important connection there is, is your connection to yourself. When you're not sure where to start, think about how you would build a friendship. What kind of friendship would be one that you loved and cherished and valued and look forward to spending time with that person and start in small ways building that kind of relationship with you. Start by not being so dang mean to yourself. Don't be a jerk. Be nicer. Affirm the things you do well. Look for what is right instead of what is wrong. Laugh more. Smile more. Do fun things. Live more. Start living your life instead of living a goal. And really work on being authentic. Not catering to what other people want or want you to say or how they want you to be. 
be you. Create a life you love and begin by creating a connection with yourself that makes it a relationship you love and value and cherish instead of one you're trying to escape from. And if you want more concrete tips on this, I will link to Breaking Barriers, which is this e-course on tearing down the negative self-talk ending all of the judgment, the comparison, the guilt, the shame. It really is a powerful thing. I go through it every couple of months myself because I find it so helpful. But um, if you have questions about it, I will link to what it is and how it works over in the show notes. Don't overlook this, guys. Reaching your goals is about way more than what you eat. It's about why you eat and why you turn to food. I love you. I hope you have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.